0: Thank you, guys. Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, I want to encourage you to open to Hebrews chapter 1. We'll come back to that a little later uh, in our service together. But as I encouraged you week 1 when I was here, bring your Bibles. We want to dig into them and find out what God has to share. And Maybe he'll share something far different than what I've shared. That's what the Spirit does in all of us is works in different ways. And that's my prayer this morning is that the Spirit would speak in the way uh, you need it today. Let's pray together as we open God's Word together. Father, for uh, for all that you've done, we thank you, and we give you honor and glory for what you've done, especially in Jesus Christ, and that's why we're here today, to glorify him, to make uh, him the one who is all worthy of honor and praise and glory. God, we, we want to lift you up. So this morning, God, as some of us come with different things, as we talked about earlier in the service, some of us come, uh, and we couldn't be more excited because of What's happening today in our lives, God, and others of us, it's a lot more difficult to come and mouth these words, God, uh, because of some doubt that's crept in. So, God, today I pray that whatever's needed in this moment, God, to be heard and uh, to, to, to just walk away knowing you do still speak today. God, would you do that today? And I pray this morning you would pour through me the gift of preaching so that Christ would be formed in our hearts. It's the name of Jesus that we pray. And the church said, amen. Well, I, uh, I want to start with a story from childhood, and uh, I'm not never the hero in these stories, so we'll just kind of let it go as it will, but you'll get to know that as we go along. I, uh, I remember uh, growing up as a preacher's kid that after the service was very exciting because we'd have our uh, weekly uh, ritual of hide-and-go-seek. And so we'd go down to the church basement, a smaller church, and we'd uh, have our fun. Uh, we, I knew the best hiding spot since I spent the most time up at church of anyone. And so I was excited for this moment. And, and on this day, uh, I was hiding in such a good place that no one found me. And it had been a while, and so I come out to find that there are no cars in the parking lot. Now, uh, Mom was the one who would always bring us to church because Dad was preaching and we'd get there early to do all sorts of things. But uh, on this particular Sunday... Uh, Mom and dad would figure out who would take us home, and apparently they hadn't communicated real clearly. They got my brother just fine. You know, he got found in the hide-and-go-seek game earlier, so he was taken home. But I was left there at church, which is about the closest resemblance to Jesus' childhood that, of anything that ever happened to me, right? <laughs> Parents leaving me at church. I was at my father's house. Where else would you find me, right? Uh, but I remember that, uh, you know, y- your self-esteem doesn't take a hit as much as when your brother's remembered and you're not, basically. And as I went through all that, I realized that communication is really important. And in marriages, this will happen one day with one of our kids. And, and, and this is going to be hard to work out. But miscommunication it often happens in relationships. And it happens in our relationship with God. And as I come to you today, I know many of you think that I have like a direct line with God probably. Because that's kind of how this thing works. You, you preach. And, and I got to tell you, that's not the case. I showed up at Greenville Oaks and thought, for, surely they'll have the direct line put in before I get there. And it wasn't there when I came. And I find that connecting with God in some seasons of life is something that comes naturally. And I have this easy connection with Him, but I'm sure like many of you, there are those times where that's not as clear. And I don't seem to hear back as clearly. And today I want to talk out of Hebrews chapter 1 to those of you Who I'm guessing could raise your hands this morning and say, I'm in a season of life right now where I'm not so sure that God speaks and acts. My prayers seem to hit the ceiling and go nowhere past that. And maybe you wonder if God is even active or doing anything at all. And I hope, I pray, I've been praying all week that you would leave with more confidence that God still does speak today. Amen. Some of you are able to say the amen and I hope by the end maybe more of us will be able to say that uh, as well. So again, Hebrews chapter 1, we'll come to that in just a moment but next week I want to let you know what's coming up. We're about to begin uh, a three week sermon series that goes along with an initiative about, that's uh, regarding faith at home. We're calling it prayer at home. We're going to have a huge focus and we're going to have Bible classes and all kinds of things next week where we're launching this, letting you know, know more about how we can become more of a praying church and connect more also at our in our own homes with how how to engage our families uh, when it comes to prayer. Uh, and I'm excited about that, but I wanted to kind of start off by talking about how we hear from God this week because this has been a topic of, of challenge uh, for me. Because I think we all know that person probably who connects with God much easier than we do. Like, you know, every time you're together with them, it seems like they've got a new prophecy or revelation from God that, that you just don't seem to get. Or, or, you know, they talk about the parking place that they prayed for and God just happens to open that up for them. Uh, for, for me, I think God works on my exercise by making sure I get it at the end of the parking lot. Uh, or maybe they say, you know, God, I prayed for God to heal this person and God came through and, and healed that person. But when it comes to these issues, I, I find that Christians are in several places. And I want to talk this morning about two of those places that I think Christians find themselves in when it comes to connecting with God. Uh, some of us are summer Christians. And summer Christians are the kind of Christians who, know, who believe that God's at work. Actually, no, they know that God's at work. And it seems like God is always sharing something that's a new insight with them. They're just always in this relationship. And faith just comes easy to summer Christians. It's just a gift almost that they're given of this summer disposition. Why would you sing songs of lament at all at church? Because life is just good and God's... But then there are others of us that are winter Christians. We believe that God's at work, but we're not so sure how all the time. And questions of suffering tend to just register with us in a different way. And and we struggle with wondering what God's up to. We don't seem to hear. We're not in on the conversation with God like so many others seem to be so naturally. Uh, And winter Christians, I got to be honest with some of you that are summer Christians, it's really hard to hear how God answers your prayer requests for healing or for other things. Because every time we hear that as winter Christians, uh, we hear and think about all the times God hasn't acted and hasn't stepped in. And so the, actually miracles and, and, and pronouncing that sometimes becomes a place for doubt because of all those circumstances where God didn't seem to come through. But we want this to be a church where no matter if you're a summer Christian or a winter Christian, you are welcome here with whatever doubts or joys or if faith comes easy for you, we need you here too. And that's what the body of Christ is all about. Amen? That we come together no matter where we are and we just encourage each other forward. But whether you're a summer or a winter Christian, the encouraging thing about Scripture is that there are people who connect with God at varying degrees of success throughout Scripture. I mean, you think back to Scripture. There are times where God speaks so clearly, and that's recorded here. And there are other times, like the Psalms or the story of Job that we read earlier, when people are wondering, what is God up to? God, would you not answer our prayers? Which brings me to the Scripture I want to focus on this morning. In Hebrews chapter 1, we'll start reading in verse 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors, to the prophets, at many times and in various ways. So this, uh, we'll get on to the verses after in just a moment. But this passage is important because what it says is we serve a God who has longed and always communicated with his people. He wants us to know his will. And so in the past, especially in the Old Testament, is this referring to, there was a period where God spoke, but he spoke through prophets. He spoke through messengers. He had mediators who spoke a message from him on our behalf. So this is a huge step, especially if you look at other religions around the world, because there's a lot of religions out there uh, that really don't uh, talk about gods this way, right? Those gods are far off. They're angry. But this is a God who wants to communicate through mediators with his creation. And there was a time when the Holy Spirit didn't live inside God's people. And so trying to connect with the Holy Spirit wasn't a possibility in the same way. The Spirit's described in the Old Testament more as coming on people or working in some way externally rather than this internal dwelling of the Holy Spirit that we see in the New Testament. And in that time period, God would speak through individuals who would deliver his message uh, with with other people. So imagine uh, not being able to bring a Bible to the worship service and find out if what's the preacher saying is actually what it says there, right? Imagine not being able to have Google as your friend maybe and you're like, that story sounds a little fishy. I I don't think that's accurate, right? Or imagine a time where God spoke through people and you couldn't fact check it all that much because there wasn't a Bible that you had at home collecting dust. It was whatever that person brought to the temple that day that God had spoken to, that was what you were to trust in some way. Let's just talk hypothetically for a minute, right? For instance, imagine that you go to the temple and there's a priest who's been the Priest for about 20 years, maybe 21 years, right? And then that priest decides to become the executive priest, and they hire some 30-year-old new priest with spiky hair. How are you gonna trust that this new priest actually speaks for God in the same way that the executive priest used to speak for God? I guess I didn't know I didn't know this was plugged in actually. No, no, see, the phone though is a reminder, right? And what I want to do this morning is talk about how, in some ways, Hebrews 1.1 talks about how God communicated like through a phone. So each week, like I didn't get this installed on my desk like I was saying, but the, the messenger would pick up the phone and would get a message from God, maybe on time, maybe not. And then he would deliver that message with the rest of you, not knowing what that conversation would have been, right? And that's daunting. You've got to have some trust that this is who God is speaking through. But most of the ancient Near Eastern gods weren't this way. They weren't people who wanted to communicate or gods that wanted to communicate with creation. These gods were angry as the people saw it. And the job of, uh, of the people who followed these other gods, right, the sun god, the, the gods of the pagan, uh, pagan deities that you hear about, maybe some of the Greek myths that you hear about and studied in school, these gods were angry gods, and it was our job as humans to appease those gods, right? Right? And so if we could just uh, make the right sacrifices or, or do the right rituals, then maybe these angry gods would relent. Maybe they would bring rain on the land. Or, or maybe uh, God would do something to bring fertility for those that needed children. This is the way the world worked. And to think of a God that communicated with his creation, this was unheard of until the story of the Jewish God and the Jewish people. Because this is a God, as Hebrews 1 says, that spoke through the prophets. And yes, it was through mediators, but it was better than what the others had. This Yahweh is very different. This is not a God who's silent and distant. This is a God who speaks. This is a God who urges his people. This is a God who brings commands and actually uses those people. But when you begin to read the stories of these mediators, you realize some of these mediators you might not want to listen to. Like, for instance, Noah, right? I mean, great story. Uh, you know, we saw the movie a little while ago and saw what it was really like or whatever, but, 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 but here's... Thank you for getting the joke there, yeah. Um, Laughter <clears throat> We're getting to know each other. Humor's one of those things we have to work out. But Noah, if you read the story further, you realize uh, we got some kids in the room, right? He makes some mistakes along the way. He drinks a little too much after that and, and then doesn't have on as much clothing, clothing as you'd expect for a biblical character to have. And then, and then you've got Abraham. Abraham, is, you know, he, he lies about his wife being his sister, not just once, but twice. This is, this is not the kind of mediator you want. Or or, or take Moses, for instance, right? Moses was a murderer, and you've got David, King David. He knocked out seven of the Ten Commandments in one weekend. I mean, you talk about a party animal, right? And these are the mediators that God uses to bring his message. So when they pick up the phone and they deliver the message from God, I wonder if there are some in the crowd that are going, are you sure we need to listen to this guy? Maybe this isn't such a good idea. But God had another plan, and so that's what we read in verse 2 and following. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Yes, God? He has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Let me read that again. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So instead of sending mediators, This God begins to send a new messenger, the Son of God, into the world. And it's obvious that this messenger is a vast improvement over the mediators that he's brought in the past. Anybody recognize that sound? It's been a while, hasn't it, right? It's a fax, right? Now, this is the best fax machine we could come up with. It looks like it does a little more than that. But this is what God did, was instead of the phone and the mediator who was to deliver this message, God sent a fax in the person of Jesus Christ. Now you may be thinking, that seems like kind of an old-fashioned uh, illustration, right? Surely you can come up with something better. But if you look at the Greek term there, uh, you're not looking at the Greek, but but that, that phrase exact representation is this word karakter. And it only shows up once in the whole New Testament. And what it means is it's it's like... Uh, Let me just read what it means to you. It's the precise reproduction in every respect. So when when Jesus is described as the exact representation, it's as if, if God has a mold, a picture of who God is, and he places his stamp on Jesus as if to say this, and it is God, right? It's fully God, fully man, but this is the exact representation of who God is. So before, you had to get a phone call to hear from God, But it's different when you have a fax machine, isn't it? Some of you remember the technology when it came out. It was a huge step forward. Because for those like me who've never sent a fax, okay, I've sent a fax, but not that many of them, right? For me, I don't get the technology of it quite, But this was huge because there was a day where when you had to get a document to someone, and all of you know this better than I do, right? You had to actually carry it to them or you had to find a mail courier. You you sent it through the mail, but you couldn't say, I've got this document in my hand, here's what it says, and someone on the other end knows exactly what you're talking about. But all of a sudden with fax machines, these noises told the fax machine, what to print out. And so you pull off a piece of paper and you're holding the same paper, the same image, the exact representation of what had been held before in your hands. And that's a whole new way of thinking about things. And this is the technology of God at work as well. Because the difference between Hebrews 1.1 and Hebrews 1.3 is the difference between talking on a phone and relating a message and seeing the exact representation in your hands. See, the first facts was sent by God. That's actually one of the definitions that came up in my Bible dictionary when I was looking at this was facsimile. And I was like, well, we'll see if that'll work with this crowd. But I think think you guys get that, right? And I find this answers a lot of questions because here's the scandal of Christianity. Let me share this with you. The scandal of Christianity is this. It's not that Jesus is like God. It's that God is like Jesus. In other words, if it can't be said of Jesus, it can't possibly be true of God. That's the message of Hebrews chapter 1, and it's a revelatory message. It's this incredible thing because it's one thing to say that God is this way, and, 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 and we as humans have characteristics of God or, or gifts of the Holy Spirit where we look like God. That's one thing to say God's the perfect image, and we're the imperfect image that have parts of us that might look like him or we're being formed in his image. It's another thing altogether to say there was a man who walked the earth, and that person, God is like that person. But that's completely different. And this is something that no other religion can claim, right? Other religions can, can give holy books. Other religions worked on a phone system where someone came to earth and delivered a message from the gods. We serve a God who decided to, decided to send an exact representation so that we're not left wondering who God is or wondering if the mediators are getting it right, but we have direct access to see Jesus. And that's what the Gospels are. It's an incredible, incredible thing to know Some of our uh, teens at the back-to-school retreat decided one of their Jesus revolutions was they were going to wear WWJD bracelets. And I was like, I don't know where you're going to find those anymore, but it's a great idea. Because they wanted people to see that and ask the question, what's that all about? And they want to live this out in small ways and see what that mustard seed does in the kingdom. But it's the right question. Whatever Jesus did, that's what we're called to do as his people. Do we know that? Do we see that? Are you with me? And this is unique to Christianity, as I said. There's no other major world religion that can claim to have God come among us because those gods, they're, they're off there someplace. The perfect world is up there. Our longing is to escape this world, to get where the gods are. That's, but in Christianity, that's not it. The picture is of a renewed heaven and earth. It's, it's of God coming and making this place what he wants it to be, of praying that the kingdom of God would come and that his will would be done on earth as it already is in heaven. And that's who Jesus is, this perfect picture of who God is. So next time you find it hard to figure out who God is, I want to encourage you to go back to the Gospels. Now, in in, in the restoration movement, we have focused a lot on Paul and his epistles. Peter some too, John some too. And and let me say, I don't want to downplay that at all. What I want to do is I want to raise the Gospels again to a a new prominence. And, And this may be already where you have been, But, you know, when you're trying to get worship right, which has been so much of our focus because we we wanted to restore things back to the way it was and make sure we had it all right. When you're trying to do that, Paul's epistles are a, a lot more practical to doing that, right? But when you're trying to live like Jesus Christ, right, when we're trying to live out what that looks like to be the body of Christ in the world, all of a sudden the gospels have a new prominence. So this is not about lowering anything. This is about raising up Jesus as the central figure that it's all about. We sang about that tomorrow, morning, that he's the cornerstone, that in Christ alone all these things have happened. We sing this, but sometimes in our study we haven't gone back to this. And so I want to make this a focus of my messages, of my preaching. God is still speaking today. I believe this. Do you believe that? This is not just a thing in the past where he talked a long time, time ago or we go to the Bible and we saw what he spoke. God has spoken to the prophets And in these last days, he's spoken through Jesus, and God is still speaking today. And isn't that amazing? And at times I wonder, why would he use the church to be that message to the world? I mean, some of us are like Moses and Noah and these people, right? Why why would God use us to in some way mediate, to be representatives of his kingdom? It's a mess sometimes. Which brings me to a topic I was hoping to address at some point, and I figured controversy could wait till week four, so here we go. I want to talk about the name on our sign. Greenville Oaks Church of Christ. And I'm not so concerned about the Greenville Oaks part. I want to talk about that Church of Christ part. And, and before you get ahead of me, I want you to listen closely to what I'm trying to say. Because I think what I'm trying to say probably aligns with some of what you're thinking. but Maybe we need to be called back to. Um, words and titles mean something. And when the title Church of Christ was dreamed up, uh, when it was in Scripture, I guess, it was trying to say something. It was trying to say that this is Christ's church and not ours. He's the head, and we're the body, and if we get that order out of whack, we've got something wrong. And some churches of Christ are are taking the name off of the sign because of the baggage that it entails, and that there's some things along with that, that that we may send a wrong message and, and you know, for, for some people, that decision may make sense for a mission mindset. But that's not my issue with the name on the sign this morning. The reason I think we need to look, think long and hard about the name on our sign is because we are claiming Jesus Christ as the head of this church. So every time people drive by this building, that shouldn't be some denominational name that associates us with other churches. That should be a reminder that Jesus Christ is the head of the church. If this is his church. It's not ours. And when you claim a name and a title like that, When people see this church out in the community, they're making associations with Jesus about those things. It'd be one thing if we were just such and such church. But when we claim Christ in that way, uh, all of a sudden those associations get put onto the body of Christ and even Christ. It's like uh, having a fish on your car. Some of you can probably pull that off. But the Rockwall Police Department said a few weeks ago, I couldn't pull that off. I got a ticket. And I I mean, there are times where I don't want the association of Christian because all of a sudden I'm, I'm... I'm blemishing the name of Christ when I'm living this out. Now, ultimately, what we need to do is to redeem the word Christian, not throw it out, right? And I would suggest maybe that's the same way with the name on our side. I believe it was Gandhi who once said, uh, I like your Christ, I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. But just imagine for a moment if we were to live in ways that begged a different question from our community. People began to ask, you know that, that, that Christ Church on Greenville Avenue, that one that has his name on the sign? They actually live it out. They look like Jesus in some specific ways. Or, you know, I, I've heard about this church down the street and, and they, they just seem to be so loving in ways I just didn't anticipate. Listen, I don't, I don't want us to take the name off of our sign. I want us to live up to the name on our sign. I don't want to throw out language. I want us to redeem language that this is Christ's church. It's not ours. And I look forward to coming in contact with people. I know you're already doing this. This is not a, a censure. I don't know this church well enough to know how well you're living this out. It's not the point of this sermon. But I look forward to ways we'll continue to move into further uh, ways of looking like Jesus so that when people come and say, you're, you're at the Greenville Oaks Church of Christ. I, I say, yeah, that's right. This is, this is Christ's church, and we're trying to live as salt and light. We get it wrong a lot of the time, but we are trying to live faithfully in the way of Jesus. Amen? Uh, every Sunday, I'm going to pre- pray the same prayer. And so you, you may get old, or you might like it. Either way, it's going to happen. I, I've prayed this since the beginning of my ministry, uh, that God would pour through me the gift of preaching so that Christ would be formed in our hearts. the reason I do that is for two reasons. One is it's a reminder to me that this is not out of my own power or own gifting. This is out of God's gifting. And if it goes away one Sunday, uh, you may need to find a new preacher because it's on God's timing that he brings his gifting. And that's true in whatever ministry you're involved in. But it's also a reminder to this community that our reason for coming together is not just to check things off the box. It's to be formed in the image of Jesus. That the mediator is one thing, but the fax machine is something better altogether. God's wanting to put his stamp on you. Just like he did with Jesus, He want, you, you're created in his image. That's the same idea. But all throughout scripture, we're reminded that we're to be formed in the image of Jesus. Paul says this in a certain way in Galatians chapter four. And I love this as an image of what the ministry staff here is to be about. This is my passion and my calling among you. And I, I just, I, I love what Paul says and I wanna grow into this. Galatians 4.19, Paul writes, my dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. This is a patient Paul. This is a a loving Paul. A Paul who's willing to just stick it out over and over again to know it's been a process with me, and it's going to be a process with anyone, but we are on this journey to be formed in the way of Jesus Christ. Because when God chose to speak into the world, he used mediators. But the better way he spoke into the world was not through any kind of mediator in that way. It was through Jesus Christ. And now that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, we have the same opportunity. To be formed in the way of Jesus, to show this to the world, and to redeem a name on a sign. Not to try to live out a a vision of this from the past. I want to pray right now as we close this time together. God, I, I just give thanks so much for this body that's met here for many years in this area. And for the other bodies around us, God, I I pray that this is not any kind of competition about our church versus others. We know the enemy is not other churches. It's it's Satan. It's the evil one. So, God, we want your kingdom to advance and to grow in whatever ways you want to bring it in Allen, Texas, and Collin County. We want to be a part of that. And, God, we ask for revival as we've asked for before here. But, God, uh, we know that this isn't about revival by you bringing something outside of us. Often it comes from revival in our own hearts. And so, God, remind us of this task. Imprint Jesus on us today. So that the world might ask questions that say, now, tell me about that church you go to because I want to be a part of something that's as loving and grace-filled and, 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 and as truthful as your church is. God, we pray this this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen.